Eternal Rock of Ages, we want to thank you once again for our meeting today. As we continue with themes on our conclusion on the book of Haggai, please continue with us. I pray, Lord, that as you speak to our hearts, we will be energized to receive your word and to live by your word. At the end of our meeting today, may our hearts rejoice in hearing your word. In Jesus' name I have prayed. Amen. In our last meeting, we looked at our relationship with God. And we noted that God is more interested in a long-term habitation with us rather than short-term visitations. We also said that to enhance our relationship with God, our communication with God must be top-notch. And in communicating with God, we must study His Word and pray to Him. As we study the Word of God, God speaks to us. And as we pray, we are speaking to God. These communications help us to grow in our knowledge of God and to be able to have a vibrant relationship with God himself. Today we continue with our conclusion on the book of Haggai as we look at the book of Haggai and God's assessment. The first thing I want us to note is that the book of Haggai is both a historical and prophetic book. The book of Haggai is historical because it informs us of events that happened at a certain time in the history of the nation of Judah. And one of the major things that it talks about was the rebuilding of the temple which had been abandoned and how God dealt with them to return to the building. The book also gives us information about how God dealt with his people through farming to bring them back to himself and how he got them to rebuild the temple and his description of that temple. Generally speaking, history serves as a lesson for generations unborn to learn from. Unfortunately, history repeats itself because men refuse to learn the lessons therefrom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6 and verse 11, the Bible tells us about how the events in the Exodus are a lesson for us to learn from Israel's problems in the wilderness. Indeed, the books of the Old Testament and the stories and histories therein serve as object lessons for us so that we don't repeat the errors of the past. The lessons from the Old Testament help us not to repeat the evil that the people did and not to live contrary to God as they did. Unfortunately, many Christians today are living contrary to God in spite of the many lessons in the Old Testament and indeed the New Testament. It should not be said of us that we have not learned the lessons that the Bible is teaching in our own generation today. Secondly, as a prophetic book, the book of Haggai reveals the manifestation of the symbolisms that are expressed therein. The book of Haggai expresses the reality of God's plans and workings today from physical, visible patterns of time past. We have spoken of the rebuilding of the temple as a symbol of God's desire for us to be built up as spiritual houses for his habitation. We already noted that God is not interested in a visitation. He wants to live with us and live in us. This is one of the prophetic lessons that we can pick from the book of Haggai. Another symbolism that the book of Haggai reveals the reality of to us is the glory of the latter house. Even though the rebuilt temple looked ordinary to the people, yet God regarded that temple as more glorious than the former temple which Solomon had built. Indeed, God said that the latter temple was far greater than the former temple. We also see the symbolism 
of our present physical bodies becoming glorious, magnificent bodies. And this issue of our physical bodies becoming glorious bodies will take place at the return of Christ when all who died receive resurrected bodies. Those who lived and died for Christ will receive bodies suited for eternal life. But those who lived and died apart from Christ will receive bodies suited for eternal punishment in hell. One of the things that we must make a pursuit as Christians is to ensure that we live and die in Christ. And that we also encourage others to live and die in Christ. That way they are able to receive the glorious bodies God has promised us for eternal life. This brings us to our third and final point in our meeting today. That is our understanding of God's assessment of our work with him and our work for him. That is our relationship with God and our service for him. Without a good relationship with God, your service to God will be unacceptable to him. A good relationship with God should lead to acceptable service for God. And we saw how God warned the priests about the way they were serving him and how it was unacceptable to him. God's assessment as revealed by his comments of the former and latter temples does not follow human conventions. In other words, God does not look at what we are doing and assess it the way a human being will look and assess the work. What men usually praise is an abomination to God. And what pleases God is usually despised by men. For example, whilst people despised Christ on the cross, God was pleased with Christ on the cross. Whilst people stoned Stephen to death, Christ was standing waiting for Stephen to come to him. This tells us that you cannot please God and men at the same time. Indeed, in the book of Galatians, Paul said, If I am still pleasing men, I cannot be a servant of God. Be careful when many people are clapping for you. God may not be impressed by you. The adage, the voice of the people is the voice of God, is scripturally defective. In other words, the voice of the people is not always the voice of God. Put differently, God does not operate as a democrat. What many people like does not mean that God likes those things. That is why the Bible tells us that the way to righteousness is narrow and straight and very few people can find it. But the road to destruction is wide and broad and there are many people that are on that road presently. Christians must therefore seek God's approval rather than men's approval. No matter how seemingly glorious the work of unsanctified men, it is an abomination before God. Even the prayers of an unsanctified man is abomination unto God. Except that prayer is a prayer of repentance. Therefore, let us desire God's praise rather than men's praise. This is the crucial lesson from the history and prophecy of the book of Haggai and God's assessment. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for our brief meeting today. Thank you for the histories that you have put in the Bible and the lessons that we can learn. Help us, Lord, to learn those lessons and not live the same way those people in the Bible lived contrary to you doing evil. Help us to understand that when men are praising us, it doesn't mean that you are happy with us. And that when men are displeased with us, it doesn't mean that you are unhappy with us. Help us to draw near to you 
as we pray on a daily basis, seeking your approval to our every move in this life, so that in eternity we can receive the resurrected bodies that you have promised for us to enjoy eternal life with you. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.